Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some good old-fashioned Vikings football, man. Wow. I mean, just sit back talking before we hit record. Five and one. I mean, five and F and one, and the Packers are three and two. That This is a great start. I would love the proof. Of somebody on their YouTube channel, someone on Twitter, someone called in to the common show. I don't know. I just want to hear thought the Vikings would be five and one at this point. I, I just want to hear three and three, four and two, okay. You know, yeah, that's fair. If you look at the schedule, whatever. But five and one, I don't think so. Anyway, so we're gonna start, you know, with the recap from this Dolphins victory. Uh it was downright ugly at times. The defense in the punter basically won us the game. You know, the offense just did enough at certain times to get over the hump. But like we've been saying, a win is a win. And, hey, we were up 14 with like three minutes to go. That's a big win for us this year um, and really since 2020. We'll talk about all the stats for 2020 and one-score games as we get through it. But the Vikes are 5-1. and one. They got a bye. It feels great. It feels great, no doubt about it. So we're gonna we're not gonna preview the next week or, or go too far in the second half of the season stuff. Really just gonna talk about this and of course, you know, um close the show, unfortunately, with the back to back losses now from the Gophers. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But the defense was all over the place. Just hearing the stat thirteen hits on the QB and it's not our QB is just refreshing. Um, so we're going to dig all the way into this here victory that made the Vikes 5-1 and one in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Purple People Leaders podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope it open, download the show there directly, or listen to the browser. You can find it in a lot of different places. Um, under the rope it radio podcast platform, it's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. We also have the uh, Spricker page, Living in Loserville, you should check out. Uh, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing before we get into this Vikings victory. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. It's the best of live TV and on demand. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. You get to enjoy regional sports networks. Um, and if you go with the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months, $160 value there. Showtime, Star, Cinemax, and Epics. The, for a limited time only, the prices start as low as $49.99 for two months. That's TV Stream. Okay. Like I said, we're going to go over each and every three and out. Um, it won't take us long because there's only three plays to drive. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, let's bring in the co-host here, Aaron. Uh, we've been watching the Vikings for a long time. The last time we were even this good at the beginning of the season, anyway, record-wise, was 5-0 and 2016. That's when we uh, went through like seven tackles, um, and Bradford had no time to, <laughs> to throw, and we ended up being 8-8 eight eight that year. Not trying to jinx us with that. Of course, we don't want to go too high on our horse either because we are Vikings fans, but What's going on, man? I mean, how the hell are you on this uh, Monday night that all of a sudden it's pretty damn cold out? 
It is pretty cold. It's shockingly cold. And I'm, I'm well, um, like you, just kind of scratching my head, wonder how we got to five and one. Um, but don't want to pick it apart too much because, uh, you know, it's five and one and three and oh in the, in the division and the Packers are struggling and, you know, all kinds of great things. And, you know, we kind of got tall poppy syndrome here. That means that we don't like to stick our heads up too high because we know how easily the knife can come down and cut your head off there. So, but it's looking good. I mean, you don't think everything's come together quite yet, but, um, to be five and one going into the bye is astonishing considering the fact that I don't think, like you mentioned earlier, anybody had any inkling of, of that it would be like this. Um, you know, we got our butts whooped in Philadelphia, but turns out Philadelphia is pretty damn good. And, uh, we beat Green Bay. Turns out they're not as good as we thought they were and probably not as good as they thought they were. Um, so it's a surprise, but it's a pleasant surprise. And, you know, the way it was done in these close games, where, you know, we're coming back in the fourth or we're just holding the lead in the, in the fourth. It, it makes you think that there's more to it than just, you know, dumb, blind luck that actually, you know, there is a plan involved and uh, they're working through this thing. And I think Thielen said today uh, it, it hasn't clicked yet, but, but when it when it does, uh, it could be scary. Yeah, we've seen shades on both sides, especially from the offense. Didn't see it too much. Um, speaking of shade, we weren't in the shade um, in, in Miami. Um, there's always that. It's just so funny how that works. It's like 20, 30 degrees more on that. Just so happens to be on that other side of the field. We don't. We still don't understand. But sorry, uh, you're gonna have to deal with it. It looks like the the team that they have in place, as far as you know, helping the players out with rehab and um, just this whole sports science stuff. Um, you know, in the sauna. In, in hot room and in the you know in the steamer I, I should say uh, starting Monday and Tuesday this week a lot of players said that they were not forcing them but saying hey do this start drinking water now every 15 20 minutes instead of doing it Friday Saturday night I mean they're just on their p's and q's we saw how they did, did it a little different when they went to London and how that worked I mean the staff and who they hired around it it really is paying off right now um, overall, but we were lucky to be up 10 to three at half, bunch of three and outs, 10 punts on the day, uh, nine three and outs, which is crazy. Now, you know, the defense, you definitely want to highlight them. The first game beyond game one, where we can really just say, Hey, this is the, the game that they won for us uh, to go along with the uh, good old Ryan Wright and his 73 yard punt. But three turnovers, two of them, you know, picks, fumble recovery off of a strip, eight tackles for loss, six sacks. Like I said earlier, 13 hits on the QB. I mean, golly, this was a great game by the defense, and we're going to really focus a bunch on them for a while on this show. Yeah, I mean, Donatello was getting a lot of heat uh, throughout the weeks, the past weeks, really, and it's almost as if he, you know, dialed something up for this one. But I think really it's just the defense starting to kind of see where their strengths and weaknesses are. Obviously, we talked a little bit off mic about you have the the ends, you have the the athletes, proven athletes with Neil Hunter and Zadarius, and now you've got a little bit of depth there at that position um, to get pressure. So if you weren't getting pressure, it had to go something with the system. And 
Um, we know Donatel seems to be a system guy and he's been, uh, you know, telling us to be patient and it, it'll come together and all this stuff. And we're seeing passes go over the, the middle of the field and just can't stop anything. And then, you know, but it's still with the veterans we have, it's a lot of bend, but don't break at this point. But to see the pressure that we actually got, I think Jones had a couple sacks. Uh, Daniel got one. Sedarius was all over the place with a couple sacks. And uh, even the middle of that line was doing some pushing around. And so it was either, you know, Miami's offensive line wasn't that great. They did have a couple guys out. But, hey, that's not, you know, you play who's in front of you. And uh, they played very well. And then add the turnovers to that, uh, not only timely, but just turnovers themselves change games. Um, and then to have, you know, the last game end on a, a turnover by Dantzler, it just seems like something's starting to come together here. And I'm not saying we're going to be a league best defense, but I really do think that uh, uh, Donatel's right in, in coaching patience and to just let this thing come together and gel a little bit. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we're taking, you know, a lot of folks that were in 4-3, they played a lot of times in college like that. They recruited that way to college. They were drafted 4-4-3. And some of these, like our depth at outside linebacker is ridiculous. Both those guys were defensive ends, and they seem to fit great. I mean, Patrick Jones, um, you know, without D.J. Wanham, it's his time to step up and get plays off the bench. Two sacks. Darius, I mean, Darius is just, this guy is just doing his thing. I mean, he's such a fun player, and he's obviously a lot more comfortable in this scenario because this is what he's done over his career, moving him, you know, all over the place and whatnot. It does kind of seem like, um, we talked about this off air too, that Hunter is getting double a lot. Sometimes he makes a move, gets by one, boom, there's another not just like a, a random tailback or something, like literally two offensive linemen there. But Zadarius, he had 11 pressures in the game. It's the second most of any player in a single game this year. 29 total pressures on the season, second most by any defender in the league. He's definitely, you know, living up to uh, some of the stuff that he came in here with. If you look at Hicks and Kendricks, 11 tackles each. I mean, that's just tackle machine, 4 of 14 on third down. They were able to stuff the run. Um, you know, they, they bent. They didn't break, but they bent a whole lot to a tune of like 385 passing. But in the end, they got two picks, one of them just uh, bouncing around all over off helmets and everything. That was pretty crazy to like both Kendricks and Harris and just right there like scooping on both sides of the ball. That that was just that was crazy. But it did have that kind of throwback feel um to the defense. And here we are, you know, um through six games, they're averaging they're giving up about twenty twenty points a game, nineteen point seven to be exact. Um which, you know, we've said all along, yeah, we do give up yards and all that stuff. We get it. But just points and key times in games it's different than 2021 and 20. You know, it just is. And it hasn't been pretty all the time, but it hasn't been pretty the last two years. Hell no, as a team, but especially defensively, it's been horrendous. But everybody got in there. I mean, Jones had four pressures. Hunter had six pressures. 
Tomlinson had another three pressures. Uh, I mean, it, it was fun. It was a fun game to watch defensively. And another guy, you know, who's over the hill, Harrison Ford and Pat P. I mean, they, they're looking really good. And I'd have to say that's probably Pat P.'s best game uh, as a Viking because he was he was in it to win. Yeah, he was tested uh, quite often. And I think he basically stood up pretty well to that testing. But another guy I wanted to bring up who was everywhere making plays all over the field, Cam Bynum, which was a bit of a surprise because uh, he's pretty quiet back there. He kind of does his job, but um, he was everywhere there was a play made. He was there. I think he was there on the Waddle fumble. Uh, he was there. I'm, play in particular, I believe it was a fourth quarter play. It was a long pass, and he had to come from the middle of the field all the way to the to the sideline to break up a pass to, I think, the tight end. I'm pretty sure it was the tight end. Anyways, a great play. I think maybe he missed his assignment and, and caught up with it, but he was everywhere too, and you know, I didn't really think much of him until that game, and I think he's really coming into his own there, which we need because our safety depth right now is not the greatest, and I thought he played a really good game, and uh, Cam as well. I, I just think overall defensively, it's kind of coming together. And um, like, I don't know. I have to learn more about the three four and the subtleties of it because I've been watching four three since I think what the seventy five when the Vikings started running it. So it's like you know, it's a new thing for all of us. And I think maybe we're all sort of getting used to what that is. But you know, to get production from the front line, I think that's where it stems, and then everything kind of falls off of that. And um, to get the pressure you need makes it tough on quarterbacks. And, and then, you know, they don't have the time that they need to get the ball and that helps your defensive backs. And it all kind of comes together. I thought Harrison Smith, again, a great game. Kendrickson Hicks. Well, I saw Asamoah was in there as well. And it just seems like you've got players, you got the system. They're starting to get it figured out. And the thing is, Chris, we're six games in, we're going into a bye. They'll self scout. I mean, you're not going to peak till week 10, you know, something like that. So, and there's just room to improve and, and to be still improving in five and one is just puts you in a position to uh, really make this season exciting. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, it's just, you know, they are, they are really starting to come together. Like you said, and we got to let it, we got to let it happen. I know it's tough sometimes and, we were spoiled for like five straight years with those Zimmer defenses, so we know what it looks like. Uh, maybe not from the, you know, 3-4, like, like you pointed out, but just in general as far as, you know, a dominant uh, defensive unit making Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, look just pretty good or really bad at times and have to chuck it up and all that. So I, I'm just happy, man. I, I'm really happy. And, and, you know, they're giving up a lot of pass. They're giving up a lot of yards. I do get that. We got to see how that goes, but as far as the rush now, and that's something that we're giving up a whole lot early in the season. Now it's been, and we kind of documented this a little bit, especially yards per carry. But Miami came in, came into this game running for a lot of yards, and we held them to uh, 73 yards on 20 carries, 3.7 a carry, and now we're the last four games during this four-game winning streak. Under four, 3.8 a carry. So it is starting to come around. They're getting better on defense as well. And just to add this, you know, when the Dolphins, they had 
pretty much, you know, Xavier Howard back, that was huge. I didn't think he was going to play at the beginning of the week, last week. Um, they basically, beyond that Jones guy who might not come back for another couple of weeks, this is about as healthy as they've been on defense. And when they've been healthy, two games they had at home, um, I think uh, the Patriots could only score seven points. And even the Bills only scored 19 points in that game. So, you know, if you put it all in perspective, it's like, all right, dude, this defense is really starting to come around. They're going to have their ups. They're going to have their downs. But um, I do like what I see. Patrick Peterson, you know, he's been kind of going at PFF because they'll say, oh, he gave up three catches uh, for, you know, 46 yards or whatever. And he'd be like, I actually, I only gave up two. I was helping out. I came late to a guy. That's not even my guy. He's been kind of going at him. A lot of corners do based off that. But he allowed three catches on six targets. 36 yards, had two pass breakups, three tackles, in a pick. I mean, Patrick Peterson is playing his ass off, and especially if you look at, you know, what he makes per year, um, that's pretty damn good. And if you look at it, um, those six sacks is the first time uh, – this is Dustin Baker, good follow, like I always say. It's the first time the Vikings have, uh, in a meaningful game anyway, had six sacks. Um, it says 2018 against the Bears. Uh, well, they had seven sacks. I'm sorry, I read it wrong. They had seven sacks in that week 18 against the Bears. That didn't mean as much. But the last time, actually, it was against the Dolphins. Uh, week 15, 2018, last time they got six sacks. So, I mean, it just feels good. It really does. Uh, on to the offense. Well, let's stop at special teams. Um 15 punts inside the 20 for Ryan uh, Wright. He had 10 punts. Of course, we know that big 73-yard punt, which came anytime. Well, I suppose 73-yard punt isn't good anytime because, you know, if you're at midfield, that's not a good punt, right? But right. when you're in your end zone, I mean, that that, that was such a boost. And, and it is kind of like complimentary football. We're going to play ugly for a while, but we are going to compliment you at some point. And so that was big. But any other uh, defensive items before we do go to the other side of the ball? Because it was a rough one, no doubt about it, um, on the offensive side. I mean, you held Tyreek Hill in as well as I think you can hold Tyreek Hill, um, which was a, a team effort there. And, and that punt you said, that 73-yarder was just just kept going and going and, and going and flipped the field. And that's huge, particularly when you're in a, what, a 3 nothing game at that time? or might have been 7-3 at that time. I'm not sure, but you're in a tight game and you're pinned down. I mean, you can't ask for more than a 73-yard punt. And so that was a huge play, and he just consistently does that. And we wonder, well, you know, why we cut the other punter in uh, training camp. But now I guess I can see why this guy has been making plays with his feet. So, um, yeah, special teams played well. You know, I thought – I think the tackling's improved in special teams. Um, and I don't know what the special team schemes are, but I know – that they seem to to do the job that needs to be done. It might, you know, Rager could maybe break something at some point, but um, it's even, you know, more difficult to break punts nowadays than, than it used to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Defensively, I think we pretty much talked about everything. Keep getting the pressure. We're going to need some depth, I think, in the defensive line. But I thought Lynch even played well, and, and you know, it all feeds off of that, and you've got some good athletes up there. I, I think it's just a matter of time until – you're somewhat dominant. I don't know if you're ever going to get, you know, to the point with 
what you have to be top five or top 10, like we talked about last week, but you're going to be above average. Uh, you would think with uh continued improvement. Yeah. And as far as offensively, uh, Two of twelve on third down, coming off of that 15, 18, 15 out of eighteen on third down. Um, nine three and outs. That's right, count them. Nine three and outs. Now they had like five two, I suppose, but still, that's a lot of three and outs. The defense played good, no doubt, on their side, but damn, that's a lot. Ten punts. They just could not establish the run whatsoever until that big run by Cookie. Um, couldn't protect all that well. It seemed like there was a maybe four or five plays that we could have picked up a first down um, if we had more separation, if there wasn't a drop, if there wasn't a, a high ball thrown. Just just couldn't quite, you know, get it together to make enough plays to really open up this game. Um, but, you know, when push came to shove, they did make plays they needed to make. Cook had that big run in a crucial part of the game. Uh, Justin Jefferson – probably the quietest 100-yard game he's going to have. Um, and, you know, it was that big play, that that throw that they love. Him and, uh, you know, Cousins, it's like they it actually KO, Coach KO was saying, you know, we've been, we're kind of hunting that play because we're looking for it every week. And they found it. And usually it doesn't have that much run after the catch. I don't know where that safety was. But that was uh, that really kind of made me feel better about, okay, we're moving the ball. We're in scoring range. We were technically two of three in the red zone, but kind of two and two because that red zone, uh, one of the failures in the red zone as a field goal was when we only had like 18 seconds left in the second quarter. So, I, I yeah, we technically got into the red zone, but we didn't have, you know, three shots at it. You know what I mean? So that we only took like one shot at it. We were getting into field goal range. Once again, being aggressive uh, at the end of quarter. Uh, second quarter, I should say. Um, but to be up 10-3, to three, in, in some ways I thought, you know what, we're going to find a way. Um, but, yeah, I'd say the protection, well, we said it too, Bradbury finally had one of those games that kind of re- reminded me of Philly and, of course, like the last three years. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was – I remember one time specifically ended up in Cousins' lap, and then there was uh, a, f- a few times he was pushed back. He was going up against, I think, Christian Wilkins, who had a, a nice game. Um, but it, everything seemed sort of stagnant in that first quarter where he couldn't really move the ball. They were loading the box. He couldn't get Cook anything. And I think they maybe went in with a game plan of trying to get Cook off first, and it just didn't work out at all. And then somewhere in that, Mid-second quarter, it seemed like an adjustment was made, and things started to loosen up a little bit. Um, it started with a pass to Jefferson, I think, off to the to the left side. And then it just seemed like they started to get in a rhythm and started to produce. Uh, Cook would get, you know, three, four, five. And then you Thielen got involved, and Irv Smith a little bit, and Johnny Mont, and you're starting to move the ball a little bit after a really stagnant first quarter. And, and that's when the ball started rolling uh, downhill offensively. And I just don't think Miami ever really adjusted back to your adjustments. And I really just think they loaded the box mostly and were determined to stop Cook. 
and uh, they did a good job of it until we found our passing game uh, a little later in, in the second quarter. And from then on, I think offense wasn't a shining example of offense, but it was adequate enough to move the chains and get down the field. Yes, adequate enough. That's that's exactly what they were in this this game. Adequate enough. They, they are clearly throughout most of the games. Um, trying to take away our deep ball. Um, you could just tell just watching the game, but also the average completion and all that. Now we are, it seems like, better this year of the catch and run, yards after catch, uh, because that's what's open. So, um, you know, but to, considering, you know, they, they ran, the Dolphins ran 23 more plays uh, than the Vikings, and they were on the field for 10 more minutes, So, which really shows you how, good the defense was to be on that field that that long but um back to the bears here's a stat from will ragats that 458 to 235 was we were outgained uh just the second time ever that the vikings have won a game with less than 240 yards and given up over 450 yards in december 1988 the vikings beat the bears 28 to 27 despite being outgained 465 to 218. Wow, that's pretty freaking crazy. Um, this is Dustin Baker again. Before yesterday, the Vikings were 9-27 and during the last decade in games where they lost the time of possession battle by 10 minutes. Um, so, you know, this is, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Some positives on the line. Um, Chris and Derrissaw hasn't allowed a, a sack in nine straight uh, games dating back to last year, obviously week I think week 15 or something like that. I mean, this guy is just really putting it together. And, and much like the defense, you know, we know the stars, we know the names, and we've seen this last couple of years of our offense being pretty damn good. But we still got to remember, we came into this game. Shit, we threw it. We threw it 30 times, and look how many times we even had the ball. You know, we came into this this week sixth in attempts for passing. Um, and how many times have we had three and four wide receivers comparatively to the last three years? So it is a new system. It definitely is a new system. You can still see some quirks and just not quite all together. And, and now, even like uh, Coach Ko just said uh, in his pressure today, like. We've seen defenses do so much to us that we didn't even think they'd do, and they've never even showed it on film, which can only add up to seeing, you know, once you, it's great to put out stuff on film, but when you see it like that and then you were able to make the adjustment, like you said, that can only mean, you know, great things. And for him to be striving for certain things and to keep a wide receiver like Jefferson saying, hey, man, we're going to target you. You know, just give me a couple more plays. We're going to get to you, and, it, and it's really working out. And, you know, wide receivers want the ball. And when you're a stud, you should get the ball. And so I just like that that vibe. And he's willing to be like, you know, it took me like two and a half quarters to get the ball to him, and that's my bad. And, you know, so, I mean, this guy, he's 5-1 and one, um, through six games as a first-year coach. Only Dennis Green had a 5-1 and one record. Jerry Burns had a 4-2 and two. Good old Les Steckel, two and four. Two and four for that season? What, they went three games? That's actually a good start. I, I got to give him credit <laughs> for that. <laughs> but Delvin Cook, that was the longest touchdown run since November 8th, 
2020. That's freaking crazy. Yeah, we got to improve in the third quarters. We know that. But it's now, what, 27 or 28 of these damn one-score games since 2020. Six and eight last year on them. This year, four and oh. Yeah, something's got to give. If you're in these tight games, we know we're going to lose some of these. So brace yourself. But all in all, man, um, it's just, it feels good. I got it. It feels good. It does. And it's balance, you know, is what you're looking for offensively. And that run by Cook is just going to go on tape and help you immensely uh, for the future of breaking runs and also freeing up the receivers. And, you know, Thielen emerging again as a red zone threat was another big thing where, you know, he was there last year, caught a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. And to catch two more, he's like, okay, now that's getting back on track. And KJ working into somewhat of a possession-type role, more or less. And then, you know, they're going to do what they want to do to Jefferson, and he's just going to have to deal with doubles and brackets and all that stuff all season. But, you know, that's not going to last forever if Thielen can continue to win in the red zone, win on third down, et cetera, and KJ as well. They're going to have to find different ways, and I just don't think they've invented a way to stop three receivers yet. And so – um I'm not saying that, that KJ's in that class yet, but I, I think he's adequate enough to use that word again and to, to get the, uh, get the chains moving and to keep the offense rolling. And Kirk seems to be able to have the ability to check in and out of plays, which is nice. And Delvin to get on track at, at some point, you know, offensively, there's just going to be a throw your hands in the air with defensive coordinators of what to do with it. Now, obviously if you can, Continue to get pressure up the middle. Uh, that's going to be a problem for our offense. We've got to find a way to shore that up. And Bradbury, for the most part this year, is, has been good enough. Um, but he hasn't faced – when he faces those guys, Chris, the, the Wilkins, the the Hicks, the, the, the guys that historically give him problems, the big, aggressive defensive linemen that know what they're coming after uh, – with him, uh, he's just getting bull rushed and he's got to find a way to get around there. Or they've got to find a way to help him. And I just don't think you can help a center much. A guard has his responsibility and he doesn't want to be stuck trying to bail out a center all the time. And, you know, Ingram seems to be holding their own. So I think that's really the thing, the uh, Achilles heel, if you will, to an offense that's just being close to unstoppable. I'm not going to say you're the, you know, the greatest show on turf like the Rams, but You've got an ability to be a very potent offense, even more than you are right now, if we can just find a way to, to keep the pressure up the middle from, from wrecking it all. And I think they've done a pretty decent job of that. And I think, you know, being able to run the ball helps a lot there too. And I think just getting Cook off on that, on that run, uh, you know, will set a lot of precedent for uh, what's to come. Now, you know, Kirk has improved whatever he's done. It's almost hard to talk about because you just don't know what it is. But whatever it is, I like it. And that, that makes me happy, too, because I feel like he's taken a little more ownership in this offense, which has allowed the offense to be a little bit uh, more successful. And it all kind of feeds into each other, as we've talked about many times. And as long as you keep Jefferson happy with some targets, have Thielen happy with some red zone targets, you know, KJ not getting bored out there and Cook getting the carries and getting some yards. It's just really tough to see it. Anything really getting in the way offensively for the rest of the season, barring injuries. And even that, I think you have some depth there. So 
I'm excited to see what's coming. Yeah, as am I. It's the fourth, uh, four or the the four games winning streak that we got. It's the, the 2019 is the last time we won four straight games. Um, I don't think that stats right. They, I, I just uh, I just thought about that because didn't we win four games when we were like one and five? Maybe it was only three. I don't know. They, I remember taking. I think I know what year you're talking about. It was no, uh. It was 2020. We were one and five in the playoff, yep. and then we got back in the playoff hunt. And I could have sworn we won four straight. Maybe it was two, a loss, and then two. I don't That's remember. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I remember that year. Probably what it was. Um. So yeah, overall, um, Vikings in good shape. Like you said, as far as like what we got to work on, individual players. Uh, looking at the schedule, you know, you got 11 games left. You know what? That's what blows you. That's what blows you away. You start to start thinking, okay, there's six games. There's 11 games. You don't have to. Do, I mean, six and five. You know what I mean? It, you do the math on that. You know what I mean? It, it's pretty. We're not gonna. I don't want to jump too deep into that even next week. Uh, but we are gonna take a look at the schedule. We are gonna see where we're at coming up the buy and all that. So that'll be kind of instead of recapping the games, that's what we do every year. We'll we'll kind of do the the bye week for us, kind of taking a look at what where we've been and where we're going at five and one. Um any last words though, sir, before we uh you know unfortunately get into this uh, gopher segment and then uh, eventually shut this puppy down. Like any other Vikings fan the little, you know, I guess reservation I have with getting too excited is the fact that that guy, he keeps missing extra points and he keeps missing kicks. Now, I'm not saying he has to make 100% of his kicks or 100% of his extra points, but, you know, that pit we all get in our stomach when you miss an extra point is just, it's not something we want to revisit every week. And it seems like every week there's either a, a missed 20 to 30 yarder or, or an extra point. And, you know, that to me is still something that's kind of hanging over our heads that needs to be dealt with. And from the look of facial expressions of O'Connor on the sideline and the things he says, you can kind of read his lips. He's not real happy about it either. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't want to say that's going to be a kicking change or anything like that. Cause I think he's trying to build confidence in him, but right. you know, I'm just getting sick of, of, of that, you know, jagged number of, okay, well, we missed an extra point and now we got to go for two or whatever it is. Uh, we've got to fix the extra point situation and as well as the field goal consistency. Yeah, no doubt about it. And man, when I look at Miami just in general, when they get to a back and some of the, you know, what they were doing earlier when they're three and oh, he'll have like, he was in like a boot <laughs> midweek. He had 12 catches, buck 77, waddle. And those two, the speed on both of those guys, it's just nuts. And then they got that uh, Jasicki or whatever that dude, dude's name is. I mean, they're and that defense is pretty solid, as we saw. I mean, that, that's squad, man. Squad. Um, so closing out the show, back-to-back losses for our beloved Gopher program. Um, you know how <laughs> – Folks have been not afraid of fourth down with the Vikings defense. I mean, there was a time where I think it was four of four on fourth down. Chase Brown, um, 
that was that that sucked <laughs> like really bad. It was like, oh wow, we're getting beat. But this one kind of felt like. I mean, there's a moment in this game where it's 20 to 14, end of the third quarter, and they're only down by you know six points. Um, but Illinois had 64 plays compared to 31 against Iowa. I mean, just to be in that game was nice, and uh, we just couldn't get over the hump offensively speaking. Tanner Morgan. You know, I know he got hurt. I'm not trying to down him when he got hurt because I know he got hit. did take a hit to the head. Now, college football calls it more like old school football that, you know, compared to the NFL, where if you have bad breath and it gets into even the ear of Tom Brady, it might be a problem. But um, just disappointing on offense. I mean, there's, I, I do think some of it has to do with not having their number one wide receiver and the trust factor. Um you know, Morgan, it, it kind of feels like 2018 where our offense was moving and our defense was garbage. Right now, these last two weeks, especially this last week, because I really felt like we were like three to five plays away uh, from Minnesota messing up against Purdue. They should have won that game. This one, yeah, the, the score and all that, and it, it was definitely winnable, but it just didn't feel like we were going to win the game. And if it wasn't for that long run, by Mo and that long kickoff that set up a score, it could have even been uglier. But it, it, it's a, it was a rough one. Illinois on the up and up. It's funny because we, you were highlighting Illinois, I was highlighting Purdue. But we both said these next two games after a big win, being four and zero and all that, well, it was really going to see where we we're at in this uh, season. And uh, now we got to go on the road to Penn State. But yeah, that was. Uh, disappointing loss to say the least in that one. Well, yeah, I mean, see where we're at. Well, where are we? I mean, that's the question I have to ask is, is where are we here? Um, you know, Morgan has been with this program for a very long time. We all know, and I'm sure he's great on the leadership council and he's great with, you know, saying elite and all the catchphrases. And he, you know, he, we all know that he changed his recruitment plan and followed Fleck here and all the wonderful stuff here, but, He's a great um, human being. He's a well, great human being. And, you know, that's all well and good. But, and I'm not going to sit here and trash him because he's done a heck of a lot. I think one day we'll look back at him and say, you know, that was a, a big part of the program there and a stabilizer. But now we're trying to make that next step. And um, we thought we had made that next step after the Michigan State win. But like you said, we kind of pinpointed these games. And Bielema, you know, that's the one that gets me because he just seems to have – flex number he just knows how to beat this team and uh, with Shiraka without Shiraka it doesn't matter uh, he knows how to beat this team and um, so I knew that would be a difficult test um, but nonetheless you know with Morgan it's the balls that he's throwing and I just kind of noticed as I was watching that game and I told you Chris off Mike that he never throws a ball besides a slant pass that the receiver doesn't have to struggle to catch and Sometimes it's more of a struggle than others, but it's just never accurate. It's always inconsistent. It's always, you know, jump up and grab it or reach back and grab it or, you know, it's just never in stride, um, rarely in stride. I think I remember a few passes to Bateman where he caught him in stride, but that seems to be the issue there. And, um, you know, Mo's going to get his. He had over 100 yards again, but 
you know, how many carries you're going to give him. And I think the real overall theme of that game is that's what happens when uh, eating the clock and running the ball goes wrong. That's when it's not working. That's how it goes. And I think um, that's what the game looks like in the situation where that system isn't working. And the Fleck is really stuck on that, gets from Trestle. That's how they want to approach offense. And you're not bereft of – offensive uh athletes uh, although i think michael brown stevens could fight a little harder for the ball sometimes uh he seems to be a body catcher um and these are just little nitpicks here but nonetheless you've lost two games where you could have won um and that drastically changes your season and now chris we're heading into a whiteout at penn state which we were excited to see had we won these two games and now i just don't know what this team is i know defensively we're pretty strong um and we're not giving up a massive amount of points, but offensively, again, we're in this stagnated place where we can't score enough. And against, you know, Sisters of the Poor, we can score 45 points, but against Purdue, against Illinois, uh, we're not a good enough offense to put up 30, to put up 28 even. And that's a problem. And, and Penn State can do that to you. Um, they played all right for a half against Michigan. Yeah. So they're not, you know, the big, you know, boogeyman at this point. They're a beatable team. But just going into that game, it's like, well, where are we and what are we, particularly offensively? And, you know, I got to thinking while I was watching the game again, sorry to go on and rant, but the changes in the offensive line are a little bit of a thing here. Uh, I don't think we're as a strong offensive line as we were last year, which is fine. You're going to have turnover. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's a, p- a part that needs to improve. And it's just, you know, and now you look at the guy who's backing up Morgan, Chris, and, you know, I know he got thrown to the wolves, but he didn't seem to be a world beater in the possessions that he had. And so you're looking, okay, you lost a couple quarterbacks uh, to transfer Anixted, who's doing all right. I think I saw a little bit of highlights of him wherever he ended up. And then uh, the Jacob Clark kid, which I don't know where he ended up, but you have Kramer now and the Calic Manis kid. And it's like, okay, well, what what is the direction and why are we clinging to Morgan so tightly? And are we going to get a chance now to see what life after Morgan might look like, depending on his concussion situation? And, and it just kind of puts you in a, you know, you don't know what you are going into Penn State, where I think after the Michigan State win, we thought we knew what we were. Um, I mean, 27 to 12 on first downs, given up. And they, you're right about the points. They gave up 472 yards, but they only gave up 26 points. It was the passing, and, and that was that was the big thing. We kept wondering, like, I took the six and a half because it was like, why is Illinois down? You know, they're at home. They're they're hot. They're coming in five and one. What the hell are they a six and a half point underdog? Did a little bit more research. <laughs> found out uh, Danny DeVito's kid, no, kid, but DeVito, that he was hurt, and and I didn't know he had gotten knocked out of that Illinois game or the, the Iowa game, and and I'm like, oh okay, but then boom, he comes back, and not just comes back, you know, 25 or 32. I mean, it's just that's all you need, four of 12, um, for 21 yards and a pick. That's that's Morgan. I mean, overall 38 yards passing. And, and, you know, we got done to what gets done to us or, you know, to what we do to people. Like I said, dude, 40 
minute, four, 40 minutes and four seconds. We didn't even have the ball for 20 freaking minutes. I mean, that, that was rough. That was really rough, and we turned the ball over three times. Um, just had no business winning that game, unfortunately, even though it was there. I mean, at one point, it was 14 and 13. At the beginning of the half, second half, they, they scored, got up, and then gave up a touchdown, and then couldn't do it. It was definitely frustrating. And the funny thing about this Penn State game is this will be the random game to lose, coming in loosey-goosey. Sorry, Common. You know, no no pressure at all. You know, the, it's going to be tough to win the, you know, Big Ten West now, which is still wide open, really. Maybe not for us, but it is in general. And I, I'll tell you what. It's a four-and-a-half-point um, underdog. The, the, the Gophers are, which kind of tells me that Morgan's going to play. But mm-hmm. still, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they turned right around and won this fucking game. I just wouldn't. And, and it'd be a ranked team, and, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it, college football could just play like this, especially college sports in general. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, they give up a bunch of – a fair amount of passing – so we need to take advantage of that, whether it's the middle of the field, the deep, you know, play action, whatever. They give up the run as well. I tell you what, it's kind of funny. I, you know, at the beginning of the year, and even when we were 4-0, I would have given this uh, in the L call, right? I definitely would have. But I'm starting to look at it as like, <laughs> a, you know what? I bet you they freaking turn around and bite us in the ass and just do the Minnesota thing. And, oh, yeah, we won this one, no problem, though. White out, no problem. But – but the, the whole whiteout thing at night, 6.30 kickoff, that is a lot to overcome. And they're going to be pissed off, too. They were leading that half, and it just got steamrolled on the ground. Clearly, they can get steamrolled on the ground. We're not Michigan, but we can run the ball. But I, it's funny. I really think that this is a close game. And like I said, coming off what we just came off of, we're only four-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road. It's kind of crazy like God damn it, I, I hear you, man. I do. And it does, does smell of a game where they just come up and they just, you know, play one heck of a game and surprise everybody and win. And, um, I don't think it's too far out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we have the component parts. You have Mo who can have a great game. Tanner can rise to some occasions. You have Dalen Wright. You have the Jackson kid. I mean, those are quality Big Ten receivers. Um, and the offensive line is, you know, it's not the worst. It's it's still a Big Ten offensive line. And, you know, Fleck teams tend to rise to these situations. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if they come away with a win in Penn State. I just think that, you know, are you asking me to put that on the record? I, I can't do that. I think the spread is just about where it's going to end up. I don't think they're going to get embarrassed, but I don't think they're going to win this one. Um but if they come out with a three-point win or a seven-point win, Chris, is is that going to shock me? No, it's not at all. It's it's right with the brand, you know. Um, but then, you know, it's almost disappointing because you're like, well, what about Purdue? What about Illinois? And and, and what would have been had you done that? And, and like you said, if, if they had won those two games, you'd probably chalk this up as an L, no problem because I think we both did in the beginning of the season. So, I mean, my pick, I guess, I'm going to pick Penn State. I think the spread's just about right, about four. I think it's going to be low scoring in the first half. It'll break open in the second, and uh, we'll lose 
seven points probably. Um, but I mean, that could be reversed so, so quickly that it just depends on how the Gophers come out. And then again, you're caught with a problem of just not knowing. I won't say this team's identity because we kind of have that wrapped up in culture and all that stuff, but, um, you know, would that put them back on track? Uh, for the Big Ten West and, and for the, the pollsters or whatever, even though they're not as important now, but put them back on the map. Let's say if, if they get a win in Penn State. Yeah, I mean, it definitely would. The problem is the, the only three and, you know, there's two three and one teams and that just so happens to be Illinois and Purdue, right? So it's like, that, that kind of sucks. Uh, who do they got to play? How many teams, you know, how many big matchups they have? And obviously someone's going to lose between Illinois and Iowa, but Purdue, when you look at their schedule remaining, it's, it's pretty favorable, but sometimes you can get lost in, in kind of like I, I mentioned the ACC postal because it, it plays out almost every year like this where you're like, oh, this team's got it. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, they lost to that team? So, um, but I'm with you. I do, I, like, picking-wise – um, I will be picking. I'm with. I will be picking uh, Penn State. Unfortunately, um, now Illinois does have a game at Michigan as well. It's actually Purdue and then at Michigan. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I, I'll tell you what, man. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they won this. Yeah, I'm right there. Penn State in a in a competitive game uh, that they just fall short. Any any last uh, words? Uh, I mean, Gopher related. I mean, you can fill in the people about the big basketball recruit that uh, our Gopher squad uh, just got. Living in Loserville, that'll be in you know hopefully in February, right? That means the Vikings are going deep when we talk Timberwolves and Gopher fo- uh, basketball. But any last words or uh, you know, like I said, maybe we can talk real quick about uh, our guy Ben Johnson. Yeah, I mean, just a precursor, you made me aware of the fact that they landed a big recruit, and I'll let you talk a little bit more about it, but 7-1 looks good. Uh, high national recruit. I can't remember, Chris, uh, besides maybe Chris Humphreys back in the day, um, us landing a recruit like that. And and uh, so that's a big deal for him in that program, and obviously the Wolves are uh, slated to have a heck of a season. So, um, you know, I it looks as if they're going to. And so that'll be an interesting uh, season of, of living in loser. Yeah, no doubt about it. It is, uh, it matters which, you know, rivals or this or that, but yeah, that is the biggest. Someone has them as a five star. And that was since 2003, Chris Humphreys. Um, Kansas was after him. Florida state who always does good with bigs was after him. Texas, and then TCU, who is coming up in the world of college basketball of late. But it just, it basically, this Monday, it came down to two teams. And, you know, we've been in a bunch of top fives. I mean, the top five, top five, we can get into the top fives all day. Tino was in the top five, of, you know, for a bunch of guys. But this dude seems like the real deal. And he picked Minnesota, man. And, and you look at, like, uh, Gopher Hoops. Uh, their out-of-state prospect is the biggest prospect since uh, Courtney James in 1995. In-state uh, in the past 14 seasons, 2009, Royce White. Um, so, I mean, this, yeah, this is someone, what is the worst one, 61, you said? 
uh, ESPN otherwise, 27th, 13th, 16th, 28th, kind of all over the place with this big guy. But it's it's really – it tells you how good of a recruiter Ben Johnson is, and that's what he came in as. Um, and I just – you know, he got a raw deal coming in here, not being an experienced coach. And so when he got signed, you know, the team jet. And it is what it is. When you don't have any experience as a head coach, that's going to happen at most programs, especially with the transfer portal now. So it was no bad look at Johnson. We just felt bad for him. It's like, dude, like 11 guys left or whatever. He did what he could do last year with what he was given. The recruiting is going really, really good. And he's still a realist of like, well, if we don't get the top Minnesota guy because he goes to Duke or North Carolina or whatever, like is it really the end of the world? It's not. Let's keep recruiting. Let's get the right fit. And the guy, but this recruiting class that he's got coming in this year, and now obviously with this Evans, it's looking up. We're going to yeah, find it says, out uh, the X and Zos. You know, the yeah, X and Zos is what's going to come next. Kid by the name of Dennis Evans, seven foot one, averaged eleven points, ten rebounds, seven blocks per game as a junior at Riverside Hillcrest in California. Is rated thirteenth nationally in the class of two thousand twenty three by rivals. 27th by 247 Sports, 28th by Prep Hoops, 61st by ESPN, and 35th by On3. So, I mean, if you average those rankings, you're probably 25, something like that. So it's a, it's a big deal, and it, it's a big get, and, and it's a big kid. So uh, everything that they need and to improve that program, and like you said, I think it's headed in the right direction. I think it's it's being built with recruiting and, and – uh, um, how do you say that word? I just lost it, but uh, development. And so that's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not just patina was kind of like, I'll get a kid from New York and it'll change things now, but this is recruiting and development. I think that's the way you build a sustainable program here at Minnesota. Yeah. It'd be great, man. If this works out, his X's and O's. Seems like he can definitely relate to the kids, but also could tell them, Hey man, this is how we want you to play. Um, looking for like the right fit, and so far on paper, it really looks like doing it recruiting. Anyway, we'll be back next Monday. Vikings wise, we do get to sit. That's the thing about football, man. If you come off a bad loss, you got a whole week, you know, to sit there and be like, Ugh. or you got a whole week to feel pretty good. Um, we got a full two weeks to feel pretty good, and it's funny because I always say, maybe by the time we got maybe at our thirties or thirty-five ish. I always be like, you know, I just want the two-week break between the conference final and the Super Bowl. I just want those two weeks of feeling great, something we've never felt since we've been alive as the Vikings going to the Super Bowl. Just get that two-week thing, dude. Well, this is a very minor uh, look at that, but two weeks to sit back and relax because, uh, you know, we're going to have a bunch more. We'll be back next Monday. Hopefully we're talking about a huge upset. And uh, someone gets upset between Illinois and Purdue, and we're right back in the race for the Gophers. Anyway, we'll be back next one to, uh, Monday. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.